All right, we'll pick up on page 8 in your notes, page 8, just a bit. I have to finish up page 8 and 9, and then, as indicated in the schedule we looked at this morning, David is going to come talk about an outreach initiative that we're going to have later this summer. And then the last hour, uh, Wayne is going to lead a presentation on our emergency preparedness uh, policies and procedures, and that will finish us off. For you guys are the guinea pigs since this is the first of the two service seminars. And uh, for next time, we'll probably make the lunch about 45 minutes instead of an hour. You guys were you guys were done and probably ready to go, so we'll probably make that adjustment. But we had some folks step out, and that's why I didn't uh, just go ahead and start because I knew I'd get hung if they went by my schedule and I was already going when somebody came back. So welcome back from lunch, everyone, and we'll get into page 8 in a minute. Speaking of lunch, I hope you all had enough and enjoyed it, and if you did... Uh, thank Julie when you see her tomorrow. She and the girls, Emma and Claire and Susie, were sneaking in the sandwiches for us uh, at the noon hour. So thank them for doing that. They're going to do the same for next week. And Julie also took care of having all those snacks for us in the back and the coffee and all of that. So thank, thanks to Julie and the girls for that. All right, we looked at the fact this morning that If uh, we want to continue to move forward as a church, it is true really of any organization, that the best time to look at the potential factors that can result in decline is before it happens. To take preventive action so that you don't have to take remedial action in the future. And I think we've all agreed to, to that. So we are at a point of health in our church making sure that we learn from the experience of others, experience of others both in a contemporary setting right now in the American church scene, but also we looked at the example in Scripture of a church like the once great church at the city of Ephesus and what ended up uh, happening to them in their decline. And so we want to avoid those pitfalls, and there are some things that we need to do in order to avoid those pitfalls. And beginning on page 6, we saw that We need to uh, remember our mission together and renew uh, our agreement to pursue that mission both personally and corporately through your own personal witness to folks to introduce them to the Lord, but also through our efforts together and events we have in order to make that happen as well. So we remember our mission and we renew our commitment to working together to see the mission go forward. And that's where we left off, was looking at the third of those three things we need to do on page 8, which is recover. And in our context, by that I mean we need to, if we're going to accomplish the things that we talked about this morning, you see in the middle of page 8, we need to recommit to being what I call a full-service church. Recommit to being a a full-service church. If we can do that, if you can come away from today saying, I do buy into the vision, I continue to buy into the vision of our our church, and I do want us to avoid the potential uh, pitfalls that can uh, befall any church, then I'm going to give myself completely to personal witness and engaging in the corporate activities that we have as a church to try to reach my community. And I'm going to give of myself my talents and my time in order to to fully serve in the ministry that we all have together. If you'll come away with that, I buy into the vision. I want to participate in the reaching out both personally and corporately. And I want to fully engage myself in the service of the Lord at our church. If you'll come away from today with that, that will be a marvelous thing. Okay, And that last component is what I hope to achieve uh, in our time together here, pages 8 and 9 that each of us needs to recommit to being what I call a full-service church. Now, what do I mean by that? You see in the middle of page 8 there, a full-service church is one in which every member is fully engaged in service. And the church provides a full range of services. So, it's kind of a double entendre when I say full-service. It means each of us is fully serving to the best of our ability and capacity. But it also means that the church is a full-service church in that it has a range of things that it does in order to serve the community and the, and the body. 
Now, we saw in this morning's session some of the things that we are doing and hope to do in the future to move toward being a fuller service church. But we constantly have to be, each of us, evaluating whether or not we are individually fully committing to serving to the best of our ability, to the best of our capacity. We've seen just some of the possible ways, I say in that paragraph, that we can collectively be involved in our community. But the most crucial, at least human resource, that's necessary for such full-service ministry, like we saw this morning, is the wholehearted, full involvement of each member. And I'll try to show you why that's so crucial when we get to page 9. Okay, But if we're going to do this, if we're going to recommit all of us to being a full-service church. And for us individually, that means recommit, recommit to being fully engaged to the best of our ability and capacity. Then we have to do a number of things. I have for you on page 8, review the foundational principles of service. What are those foundational principles? One is the Bible teaches unequivocally, I mean, this is not controversial, the Bible teaches that all members are ministers. And I don't think I need to convince you all of that. I have a number of passages at the bottom of page 8. But that is something that the Bible teaches very clearly, that every member is a minister. And so the clergy-laity distinction that many churches have is not a distinction that the Bible makes. Now, there is a distinction in, in functions. I have a particular function to form as a, quote, member of the clergy. And you don't perform all of the functions that I do. But the Bible makes no distinction amongst God's people as to whether or not we all are engaged in in ministry in some function, in some way. In fact, the word minister in the Bible is simply the word servant. And ministry is just the word service. So when I say all all members are ministers, you you could say all members are servants. It's the same word. Sometimes we say, so-and-so is called to the ministry. Well, according to the Bible, how many people are called to the ministry if ministry means service? That would mean all of us, wouldn't it? We each do it in different capacities, we have different functions, but we are all called to the ministry. And we need to remember that then as we recommit ourselves to being a full-service church. All of us are called to the service of the Lord through His church as His servants, His ministers. So the passages we have there, Ephesians 4, from Him, Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Notice how, as each part does its work. In 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves... He should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now in that passage in 1 Peter, Peter talks about really categories of service. Speaking gifts and and service sorts of gifts. And I pointed this out to many of you at different occasions so you may remember it. But as you take those two categories, speaking gifts and serving gifts, Which do the vast majority of people have? Which category do most people fit into? The speaking category or the serving category? It's clearly the serving category, isn't it? Well, one of the problems in our churches is they're structured in such a way as to have very limited areas of just general service for folks to be involved in. And if you really want to be involved in a significant way, you have to be involved in teaching or some sort of speaking capacity. Well, that's messed up. Because most people in your church don't have those speaking gifts. And so that automatically, just by the the way the church is structured, put together, leaves the vast majority of your people out. We have purposely structured our church in a way to carry out the ministry, the service of the Lord to one another and to our community in such a way as to have multiple, almost unlimited areas for service, service in general without having to to teach, without having to teach a class. And so our church has all sorts of things for folks to do that will aid us in moving the ministry forward. 
And it makes it then possible for all members to not only acknowledge that they are to be ministers, as I say, number one, servants, but to actually serve and minister. Bottom of page 8, Romans 12 says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If serving, let him serve. If teaching, let him teach. Encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. You see from those kinds of passages that the Bible is very clear that we're all different, we're all made different, but those differences can all contribute to the ministry as we make ourselves available to be ministers, to to serve in, in the Lord's work. I didn't give you this passage, but you might want to jot down Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Most of us are familiar with Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's one of the more famous passages in the Bible that says, We are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's what Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says. And we usually stop there. But the passage actually goes on. There's actually another verse that's part of that whole section. We're saved by grace through faith. That not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For, verse 10, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which He prepared in advance for us to do. That's what verse 10 says. We are His workmanship, created to do good works. Well, that word workmanship, Greek word poema, poem. That's why some translations say we are His work of art, we are His craftsmanship, we are His tapestry. God has made you the way you are, with your experiences and your abilities and your passions, and He has made you that way for you to, to bring that to the table in the ser- service of the Lord. So if we're going to renew, re- recommit ourselves to being a full-service church, which means in part each member fully serving to the best of his or her ability and capacity, it means we have to remember that all members are ministers. And we've been made and equipped and prepared to serve in the Lord's church. Okay, So that's one. Top of page 9. This other second foundational principle is that each of us is uniquely designed by God, and Ephesians 2.10 tells us that, but also 1 Corinthians 14. Notice, now the body is not made up of one part, but many. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it were, there are many parts, but one, but one body. So you are uniquely designed by God to carry out ministry in His work. And then thirdly, the task of pastoral ministry is equipping ministers, servants to serve. Ministers to minister. And that means then that contrary to the model that many of us have grown up with, ministry is not carried out primarily by paying professionals to do it. Ministry is carried out by God's people who do works of service, and leadership is to prepare folks to do that. Notice Ephesians 4. It was He, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers for what? To prepare God's people for works of service. So, that is the reason that our church has made a conscious decision to be primarily a volunteer ministry as opposed to a professionally paid ministry. That's the reason. It's not just that we're cheap. And I know, since I am the only full-time paid person at our church, that the church is very generous. It's not we're just cheap. The church has been very kind to me, very good to me. It's not that. It's, it's actually a, a more philosophical issue that we believe that the Bible teaches that we don't just hire people. Now, it's okay to hire people. We've hired one and one part-time person. And we may hire more in the future. But we, we cannot hire people to do what we are all to be engaged in. 
Otherwise, we'll violate the principles of body life that the Bible gives us very clearly. And we'll violate having you as the membership involved in active participation as God intends. Now, because we are a volunteer ministry, that means if we're going to do the stuff we talked about this morning, it means, what does it mean then, right? All the volunteers have to be all hands on deck, fully engaged. True? Otherwise, it doesn't happen. And then you say, well, then let's hire some people to get this done. So you'll either become a professionally paid staff-run church, or you'll just say, we're not going to hire and we're not going to do it, and it won't get done, and we'll end up on the declining slope that we saw this morning. Now, why am I talking about this to a group like you guys? Here you are on a Saturday. A bunch of you like this out here. Clearly, you know, a, a level of commitment that many do not have. And I, I'm extremely thankful for that. I told you that this morning. I was saying it to some others during lunch, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I am very, very thankful for that. So why am I talking about this? Further, the truth of the matter is, our church has a very high percentage of people involved in something in the church. In fact, you know what that percentage is? Mike Garner just gave it to me two weeks ago. It's 87%. 87% of our folks are involved in something. So what's your problem, Brown? Why are you talking about this? One, I'm after the 13%. <laughs> That's one. But secondly, and we'll get to this then in my final portion, but it's one thing to be involved in something. It's another thing to be involved to your full capacity. Those are not necessarily the same, would you agree? So, if, 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 I, if we have a, a team of people uh, that, well, we, as we do, let's take setup, for instance. If somebody doesn't show up in the mornings to set up the chairs and the tables and do all the stuff, we're, it's going to be a mess on Sunday morning, right? So, is that important? You, you better believe it. Is that important to the ministry? Absolutely. It's indispensable. So, in, in the comments I'm making here about support ministries, I'm not demeaning that at all. We absolutely have to have it, and I appreciate everybody who's part of it. But in that 87% then is anyone who is on a rotation to set up a chair once a month. Now again, I'm thankful to God that we got people setting up those chairs. But it may well be that the people setting up those chairs once a month are capable of much more ministry than that. They have the ability to do more than that. They have the time to do more than that. So when I talk about full service, you noticed I kept saying, fully serving to the best of our ability and capacity. Both. And so we have a high percentage of folks involved in, in something. Hey, thank the Lord. But if we're really going to move forward the things we talked about this morning and be a volunteer ministry as we are, then every one of us has to say, am I as fully engaged as I can and should be given the gifts and abilities and circumstances that I find myself in. Now, once all of us have done that, and I go after the 13%, once we've all done that, then we will simply minister with the resources that we have. If that means we can't pursue some of the things we looked at this morning, right now, then we don't. I'm good with that. If it meant we had to cut some things back, I'm good with that. As long as I am assured that we have done all we can do to have all of us fully engaged to the best of our ability and capacity, then I and we all should be satisfied then with the level of ministry that the Lord allows us. Now, in order then to do this, we have to recognize, go from just doing a task to doing a ministry if you can. If you're going to do that, you need to do what I say and be here. Recognize the impact of the what I call the organizational domino effect. The kind of full-service impact ministry we've discussed requires that we have all hands on deck so that those who are gifted for frontline ministry can give themselves fully to their important tasks. Now, let me. what do I mean by frontline ministry? 
I don't mean more important ministry necessarily. I just mean ministry that's out front. For instance, the people who can do the speaking stuff need to have the time to do the speaking stuff. That means that they they can't be engaged a whole lot in some of the other things that other people can, can do. And the more people engage in those things, that allows us to then move the domino effect, move people who have those gifts and abilities into other areas of ministry. But think about it conversely. If we don't have everybody fully engaged, it means we're going to have people who have abilities to do some of the things we talked about this morning who won't have opportunity to engage in that. Why? Because they're busy doing things other folks would be able to take. And so we need to take into account the domino effect. Let me give you an example of this. And I'm glad Bill and Trisha are here for me to embarrass them. So, you know, two weeks ago yesterday, two weeks ago tomorrow, I think, Bill and Trisha are walking out, and they made the mistake of saying to me, well, I, Bill, am retiring at Art Van, and Trisha, it turns out, is uh, going to be off here in a, in a couple of weeks. That couple of weeks turned out to be this past Wednesday, I think, right? It turned out to be her last day. So... We're happy about this. We're glad the Lord's moved us into this phase of, of life. We're, we're ready for it. And it means you can get us involved in more stuff. That's a huge mistake. <laughs> it didn't take you long either. No, it didn't. No. So Bill's preaching tomorrow. <laughs> but, but so these guys come and tell me that. Well, number one, let me just stop there and say, what a blessing is that? How what a great thing is that, right? So tell us what to do, right? So immediately I go and say to Garner, who's our community service guy, I say, hey, uh, go, go talk to those guys. And he did. And here it says even two weeks that they said that. Yeah, this last Sunday, they were with um, Jim and Janet Sturgill on Sunday early. Jim and Janet for years have been heading up our cafe community ministry, you know, hospitality, right? And doing a great job with that. But Jim has gifts and desires now in another area, particularly to be our outreach coordinator. Well, would outreach coordinator be a big deal given what we talked about this morning? And we as leadership need the ability to be able to do the domino effect, move somebody, move somebody along. So Bill and Tricia are looking at the possibility. Now, I don't want to announce that they're doing that. They're checking into it, see if it works. If not, they'll get involved in something else. That's not the point. The principle is the issue. But they're looking at the idea of possibly doing that. And whether it's them or somebody else, that's going to allow Jim now to move into another area of ministry. All because somebody stepped up and said, I can. And it wasn't that they weren't doing anything. It's just now we can do more. Right? So they were already part of the 87%. But now they're allowing us to be more effective in our ministry. Let me give you another example. Jake Akers, one of our young people. Jake is now working with Ken McGill doing some of the children's ministry stuff on, on Sunday mornings. And, by the way, tells me he's really enjoying it. But the fact that Jake moved into that had the domino effect of us allowing Mike Garner to move out of some of the children's ministry things he was doing. He's on our leadership team, so he needs to be moved out of some of that. Allow Ken McGill to move into doing some of the things Mike was doing and allow Jake to do some of the things that Ken was doing. Right, And it, it goes that way all, all the time. For everything that you're willing to step up and say, I can serve the Lord in a greater capacity. It allows us to move the ministry forward in that fashion. And I could recount that for you over and over again, but the converse is true as well. If we don't do that, if each of us does not serve to the full ability and capacity that the Lord has given us in our particular phase of life, then it hinders, it hinders what we're able to do. There are things that we could do that we otherwise now can't because of that lack of human resource. And so what then do we need to do? One and two there on page nine. Each member must evaluate whether they are being fully utilized in the Lord's work. And so I'm asking you then, as you come away from this, if you buy into the vision and you see you know, that we, 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 need, we want to do these sorts of outreaches into our community, I hope you see the domino effect and evaluate whether or not you're involved at all 
And if you're involved, are you involved to the full capacity of your ability? And if the answer to those is no, I'm not involved at all, or the truth of the matter is I've been doing a task, I'm in the 87%, but the fact is I could do more. If that's the case, you help the ministry move forward with the domino effect, and here's what you need to do. You need to immediately talk to Mike Garner about that. Or talk to Gary about that. Gary and Mike are our tag team on the community service ministry. Talk to Mike or talk to Gary about that and say, I want to get involved or I want to get involved in a greater capacity. I believe I can do more than I'm currently doing. And that's going to help us in ways you can't even foresee right now with regard to moving pieces around, important pieces in our our ministry. And secondly, each member must evaluate whether they are being fully utilized in the Lord's work in our local church. Now here's what I mean by that. I don't need to spend a lot of time on this piece, but you get folks, in, good Christian folks in churches who get involved in all kinds of good Christian causes that are not in the church. And they're good Christian causes. And I don't know how much of that we have. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't sniff around. I don't, you know, I'm not on a hunt for any of that. And I thank the Lord that ministry is going forward in all sorts of forms. I just say this to you that I am convinced that the Bible teaches very clearly that it is the local church that is the agency through which God is accomplishing His work in this age. The local church. And in your case, Community Baptist Church. And so that means if your talents and abilities are being used in other otherwise good causes, you ought to step back and say, could I give myself more fully to the work of the Lord in my local church if I prioritized it over some of those some of those other things. For many of you that doesn't apply, for some it might, and that's the kind of commitment we need from everybody, the kind of evaluation that everybody needs. One last disclaimer on that and I will be done. I want you to know that I recognize as you evaluate and you say, where can I be fully utilized in the Lord's work? That there are what I just call phases of life. You know? There's things that there are things right now that you know you could do, all things being equal. And there are things right now that you know you want to do, all things being equal. But it may be you just can't do them right now. That's just the way it is. I understand that completely. It was true for us when we first had Laney, you know, fourteen years ago now, I can't believe it. But you have a new a newborn at home, that, that changes. Okay, that changes some things. There's some things you, you can't do. You know, Lisa Johns. You know, you get three little ones at home, and we, we joke, you know, she hasn't been at church. I ask her what church she's a member of now. She's just joking. But because kids get little ones get sick. They're up all night. They're doing, you know, it's just the way it goes in that phase of life, right? She does other things in serving the Lord in, in the way she's able under that situation, but that's her situation. You know, Bill and Trisha were both working. You know, now we're not. Bill, Bill had to take off second hour every Sunday because he had to get over to Art Van. You know, to sell furniture. Now he's not doing that. You go through phases of life. So as you make this evaluation, you evaluate it in light of, where are we right now? What can we do? I fully understand that. And all we need to do as a body together is say, every last one of us is going to do that evaluation to the best of our capability and ability. We are going to give ourselves fully to the Lord in whatever phase of life we are in, and then the Lord is going to move us forward as He has in the past, right? I leave you with this passage at the bottom of page 9. 1 Corinthians 15.58 It's the 58th verse in 1 Corinthians 15. And it is uh, a long chapter, but it's the very last verse. It's a long chapter about the resurrection of Christ and the reality of the fact that He is alive, has risen from the dead, and it concludes this way. Therefore, that is, therefore, because Jesus is alive, and, and you will be raised as well. Because that's true. Stand firm. And let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now how does that relate to the resurrection? Here's how. If Jesus is alive, and I'm going to be alive, raised one day too... 
I will be raised one day to be with and stand before Him. And be rewarded, if you can believe that, for the work that I get to do for Him on earth. It's a privilege to be involved in His work, and yet He's going to reward us for that. How do we know that? Because He's alive. And because we will be alive. Therefore, because of that, how often should you give yourself fully? Always give yourself how much? Fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. If you'll come away saying, I believe in the vision. If you'll come away saying that uh, I want to see our church reach into our community through the various means that we laid out this morning. And if you'll come away saying, I'm going to evaluate how I can give myself fully so that the domino effect allows us to do that most effectively, then our time together today will be worth it. And he'll use this time to advance our church forward in its mission. Okay? All right. This last portion of our time together, uh, David is David Johns is going to come. Let me tell you why David is here, and then he'll explain the ministry he's going to talk about. But one of the outreach items on the list that I gave you this morning is a golf outing we're going to have on July 11th called the Challenge Cup. David is putting that together for us. He's going to tell you what that is. He's also going to tell you some of the things we need in order to make that run the way it's supposed to, some things we're going to need from the church family in order to make that run as it's supposed to. And I just want to say, I know you probably would introduce uh, Sig, but I just want to say Sig. Sig is David's co-worker who uh, helps him with these challenge cups. And Sig is the guy who put together this, uh, this scoreboard that David's going to explain. And Sig had the vehicle that it could fit into <laughs> and was willing to make the, make the trip out here for, for our benefit uh, for this. So Sig, thanks very much for doing that. David, it's all yours. Some of you are probably wondering how or why are we talking about a golf outing uh, and how does it tie into this and in particular why are we talking about a golf outing uh, here in March that's scheduled for July and what I wanted to do is kind of explain that in actuality this is a golf outing that our entire church could be part of. Uh, whether you're there that day or not, there is a role that all of you could play, and that's what I'm hoping that, uh, that, that you will help us out with. While I'm talking, I, wanna, uh, I don't mind if you look at the pictures and not at me. That's quite, that's quite all right. This, this, this challenge cup, you say, because the pastor said there's challenge cups, plural. What is it? Well, Sig and I about a year and a half ago, started talking about the idea. How many of you are not at all familiar with a Ryder Cup, a professional Ryder Cup? Is there anybody in the room that has no idea what a Ryder Cup is, where the United States takes on Europe? Twelve professional United States golfers against 12 uh, from Europe. And they take each other on. These are multi-million dollar robot cold golfers that don't talk to anybody. And they make all this money. Well, once every two years, they get together and play each other in a match for no money. Now, obviously, they're playing for country, quasi, if you call it Europe, a country. It's probably more anti-America than it is anything. But you've got these two that get together, and these golfers that are normally so stoic turn into these enthusiastic, it's almost over the top at how much excitement there is. Well, we started talking, Do you, Sig and I started talking, do you think we could get a group of, Eleven of our friends. First of all, do we have eleven friends? <laughs> and secondly, do you think you get a team together and we play each other in a tournament like that? Well, like everything, if any of you that know me, I come up with ideas and then I send you to go and do it. All right, that's kind of my that's my task. And so Sig started coming up with how could we make scoreboards and things like that that make it feel like a professional tournament, but it's not. So this was the product. You probably recognize a lot of the red faces. Eleven of those twelve are from community. Uh, the twelfth is my brother. And so that, that was the one team, and then Sig's team there, and uh, we, we had a great time with it. What came out of that last June was a lot of letters and nice comments that were made about what a great time that was. And I kept thinking... If there's this many people that thought it was this neat, and they started telling other people who were asking me about it, 
What if I put it together as kind of like a quasi mini business? What if uh, other people that would want to do the same thing? And so as it turned out, there's Tom looking for his ball, um, which was very frequent, by the way. Um, as it turned out, uh, there are actually, there's two investment companies and three golf courses. There's five total that have hired me to put on a challenge cup for them. Now, there's still what we call the original. That's the one that many of the people in this room are involved in with SIG. But we're looking at doing it as a church with the specific focus of being outreach. Instead of me looking for a team of all community guys, what we're trying to do is get community guys to invite guests, to invite unsaved, unchurched people to come to our golf outing and to play in it. What makes this unique in this format is that it's two rounds of golf in one day. It's 36 holes of golf. One of the items we've had in the past with our golf outing is that it was locally and it was 18 holes and as everybody would finish one at a time over about an hour and a half, a lot of people would leave. They wouldn't stick around to hear what, what, what was ever was going to happen at the end or whatever. And it was very difficult for pastor to present any type of gospel presentation to folks that were gone, that were leaving. And so this format actually fits well because we have a captive audience. If we do this after the first 18 holes, they want to, they're paid to play another 18 holes. They're there. They're right there. There's nowhere for them to go. And by moving it up to Tyrone Hills and Fenton, which is about a 50-minute drive, we can, we can drive with them and then drive back with our guests. So they can't scoot out in their car and, and, and leave. They're there with us, and it gives us a chance to not only talk about the golf, but what the message that was pre presented and give us a chance to follow up with any questions or any comments or anything that they would, uh, that they would voice. So that, that's kind of in a nutshell what it is. So some of you guys, probably the most confused people in here are people that are in the original Challenge Cup, the one that's with Sig and I. They've been asking me, is this the same one? Is this different? That one's June 20th. The church one is July 11th. And this is the one that we don't, our church, it's, we, don't, we're not a huge, we don't have huge numbers. But what we're hoping is that there would be, ideally, that there would be 24 men that would each invite a guest. And then that would give us 48. And we'd have four teams of 12. We can't get to that number. You know, maybe we limit it at 36. But my goal is, is that we can get to 48 and we'd have four teams. Now, there's been a lot of work done and a lot of uh, generosity shown to us over the last couple of months as we've been putting this together. And in that, what we've done, this, this event should really, if we took everything that we're doing and all the costs that are involved and plus the golf, it should, it should be about $125 a person. But it's not. It's not going to be that much because of the generosity of people within our church and people that are friends of our church. Um, for instance, our teams, you notice how they're wearing shirts. The blue team is Rana's Restaurant uh, in the original. But for our blue team, it's going to be TL Financial, which is Tony Lajeunesse. He's going to supply all the blue shirts for the blue team. So right away, that eliminates $15 of cost with the shirts. The green team is going to be Tijuana's, which is Marisa's Restaurant. They're going to sponsor the green team. And then Culver's, which is my haunt on Sunday afternoon. And I probably funded uh, <laughs> half of the restaurant, at least. And a lot of, you know, there's a lot of CBC that come. I talked to the owner of that store and back in December and said, I have an idea of something I'd like for you to help out. And, kind of, and he kind of made a mental note as more and more CBC people kept rolling in the door over the next two months after church. And so we sat down in January, and he agreed to sponsor the white team. They're going to supply white Culver shirts for the white squad. And he was very willing to do that. He knew of our church. He knew of some of the people that came in and, and, uh, and that come there. Garners come there often. There's several that do. And so he was very happy to do that. And what I said was in exchange, and I'm laying the groundwork for this one. I said in exchange in April we would schedule a night where it's going to be a CBC night at Culver's. We're going to try to get as many CBCers to come and eat dinner there at Culver's from 5 to 7 p.m. Probably he, he likes it on a weeknight as compared to a Sunday. They already do well on a Sunday with us. But um, we'll schedule a night probably like a Tuesday or a Thursday night, and we'll come and we'll eat there. And I think would that be a great 
opportunity is to invite anybody that you know of to come out to that. And we could have literature for our church there as well. And then there are going to be other people that come into Culver's. We could tell them what we're doing and things like that. Because he's actually going to kind of prorate an additional sponsorship based on how many people that we bring. So I don't, I'm not saying that for that. I'm not laying all that groundwork just for, so we'll see how much more he'll give us. But the idea just to show him that, you know, how many of, there are, how many of us there are and to thank him for that support. The other thing that we do is, like we did last year, was the day after the event, we go to, on Sunday, because the tournament's on a Saturday, the day after the event, we go to Tijuana, and we crash Maurice's place. And so, so if you don't like Culver's, maybe you like Mexican, and, uh, and so you'd come to that. And so that's our way. The sponsorships, you know, sometimes it's tough to get people to sponsor you, but a lot of times when they realize that, that uh, you're working with them, they're very, very generous. So I'll speak more about that in just a little bit. Uh, what, what do we need then at this point? Well, we, besides the shirts being donated, oh, Quick Parks, the red team, by the way, where I work, they supplied all the red shirts. Uh, we've also had some very generous financial gifts come in. Um, about, we've had so $600 in shirts have been sponsored, and we've got another 550 in cash that's come in through, uh, through some people that were in our church for this, but some people that were not, mainly is um, where Jim Sturgill works. Uh, Peter Kappas is the owner. And he wrote us a check last week for the difference of what we needed, which was $350. He wrote us a check on his company. So now what we can put on is a buffet lunch in between the two rounds that doesn't, isn't covered by any of the participants. It's covered by the money that we've generated. And the nice thing about that, it'll give us a place for everybody to come inside and to hear a gospel presentation. And they'll be seated. They have something to eat instead of if it was outside. And it'd be just impossible to do that on the fly. So that, that's been great, that all that has been don, uh, donated or sponsored or, or given. So we're in very, very good shape for that. And what's going to be happening next then, the part that you folks can play in, is this. For all the men, first of all, we need golfers. And it doesn't matter what skill you are. It really doesn't. In this format, you're blended in. If you're on the red team, say, for instance, you're part of 12 all right? You're not out there on your own. You don't have to beat the world to, to have a good day. You're partnered with your entire team. So it doesn't matter if you're horrendous. Believe me, some of the guys on my team are horrendous, and that's why we got killed. But, um, but it, that, that part doesn't matter. If you, have any, if, you just, if you can just come out and golf, that's great. Because as I said, we need it, to, to make it ideally work, we need 48. And so I've been kind of making my list and going around to you guys and finding out how many would play. And it's close. We're close to that number. In addition to playing, what we're hoping is that you can invite a guest. And if you say, I absolutely cannot think of anybody in my life that would play golf that would want to come and do this, all right? Well, ask your wife. Maybe she knows somebody, first of all, all right? Maybe she knows somebody that would play golf. But ask. Think about it at work. Now that this seed's planted... Think about the guy that's got all the golf stuff on his desk or the guy that has, you know, he's always talking about where he went to play golf. There's probably somebody right now you can think of that they are the avid Mr. Golf. And so I'm thinking, and so I'm wanting to plant that seed that you would ask. Secondly, we have other guys. I asked Al Wobig, do you think you could bring a guy? He said, he said, all of my friends are unsaved. I could bring 20. <laughs> so, so we have some guys that... They have plenty of people to ask. Yeah. <laughs> so they have plenty of guys that they could ask. So even if you can't come up with a partner or, or, or you can't think of somebody to invite, we have some people that can supply you with a partner. And, that, and that's one of the primary differences, uh, ladies, between guys. We have our, we're very different from you. Like, for instance, just to go, I mean, just with golf, you, you would think, what is it about golf? People will play, as a guy, you'll play golf with a total stranger and have a great time. It doesn't matter to you anytime. You get partnered up with people. It happens all the time. And I know you think that that's weird maybe, but it happens all the time. So what, ideally you would golf with one guest and you'd play both rounds with them. Hopefully it's your own. That would be great. But if it's, if it's not, we probably can supply you with one. Okay, and, and you'll quickly make friends, I'm sure, and it'll give you a great chance to kind of serve as that human bridge, like we've talked about at church, to be that, to be that human bridge between the message of the cross and, and just in everyday life. 
And so that's what we're really hoping. So we have registration brochures that we're going to be putting out next Sunday that uh, what we're looking for is for you to take and register as a golfer. It will cost $25 to register. And then, um, and then the golf is $60, which is not a bad deal for two rounds of golf with cart for both rounds. It's actually about the best deal out there that I know of. And uh, th that'll be the cost. That won't be due till the event in July, but we need to start forming the teams. Part of that registration you saw there in the slides, there was hats, there were shirts, uh, and that leads me to the next point. Ladies, we need your help as well. The reason I was glad Sig brought in the board is we actually, believe it or not, this man has constructed four of these <laughs> boards by hand from start to finish. These little tiles that you see here, he actually made 892 of these. All right, well, Tom cut them. Tom Burkhart cut them all. But Sig painted them all, put all these on. He organizes a box for them. We have 120 nameplates. We have 10 sponsor boards that are this size that go on the bottom, so people that donate it. That board, Sharon, do you feel like telling everybody what, what that is? All right. <laughs> Sharon, Sharon and Sue Biggs volunteered for, our, for the event last year. And what they do is they score. We need scoring volunteers. We give you shirts. Ron, do you want to hold up that shirt for me? We have shirts for you, just like we do for everybody else. They're yellow. Nice yellow. We put the logo, logo on the front. I think we spin it around. All right. We, get, we give shirts, this, and then we put you as partners. You're not sitting. If you've ever, if any of you ever seen it where somebody does like a hole in one, they sit there all day long, it's boring. We put you with another lady. One of you acts as the recorder where you're writing down the scores. <coughs> and the other one posts them up on the board. We have four of these. We'll attach them to a cart for you. You can see there's legs there on the bottom. They get attached and fixed, and they affix to a cart. And you pretty much can hang out in one spot all day long. You have a radio, a walkie-talkie, so that you can talk to the other ladies that are on the course, and you get scores from each other. And I'll tell you all about how to score it. So don't, it's, it's pretty simple, actually, about 10 minutes so you can get it. So we need at least eight ladies, four partners, four sets of ladies that will volunteer to keep the score during the day. How long is the day? Well, it starts at 7 a.m., and if we have no weather issues, it should be over by 7 p.m. All right, so it's a long day. The only thing we can give you is a free lunch. Your lunch is provided for those of you that ladies that volunteer. But you are very essential to it uh, being what I think is, makes it unique, and that is everybody that plays in a golf outing, you kind of just finish and find out how you did. Well, this has live updating out on the scoring. So anybody you'd invite, anybody that's a golfer, they are going to think this is the absolute coolest thing in the whole, that they've ever done. I can, I can guarantee you that. So we need ladies to do that. And then I have a list of other things that I'm hoping that people could. And, and, and you know, if you're a guy that doesn't want to play golf, you could volunteer to do the scoring as well. If you want to do that with your wife or with a partner, did you? You forgot to tell them they get to ride around in the golf cart. You do get to ride around in the golf cart, which, which is a scary thing in and of itself. <laughs> But there's a list of other things that you could do, um, like uh, donate Gatorade. We'd like to supply every golfer with two Gatorades. So if you say, hey, I, I, I'll just give you money towards it or I'll buy the Gatorade, that would be great. We also, uh, we also could use a photographer. You saw there all those pictures that comes out. If you are a very good photographer and you have a nice camera, we could use you. Uh, we also, I don't know the status of Jim Pantelli. I'm hoping that he can still do this, but it, I don't know if it'd be in town, out of town, but that DVD that gets put together. If you have that kind of ability, we could use somebody that puts that together. We also could use, I'm thinking of a golf survival kit. I think that would be good if we could supply the guests, not our own guys necessarily, but the guests with like cookies or snacks and things of that nature that we put together. That would be appreciated. So there, there's those. I'm also thinking of if there's the brew crew that we have in the morning, if somebody could bring, send coffee or bring coffee so we have that available. So I'll have a whole list of things that could be donated or given by you or supplied in addition to the golfing, in addition to the scoring, and, and uh, that would be very helpful if you could do it, if you could help us in that way. I think that's pretty much everything I had to cover. If there's any questions or any comments. Yes, Lana. Are you putting out a sign-up sheet somewhere? Yes, I'm going to be putting a sign-up sheet next Sunday looking for primarily for ladies um, to be the volunteers. For the men, I'm gonna, if you can come and see me if you're interested and let me know 
um, if you can bring it, if you're thinking of a guest or so, a guest or two in mind, and I'll give you the registration brochures to put out. Each brochure costs a dollar fifty, so I just don't want to throw them out there and then they're gone. Once they're gone, they're gone. So um, I want to make sure that you know exactly what to do with it and how best to approach somebody to play in the play in the outing. That would be great. Good question, though. There will be a sign. Yes. Protocol. I'm going to ask, you know, what's protocol for when you invite a guest to this? Do you, do you try to pay for him to come, or no. does he expect that? Or? No, he, no they, they wouldn't expect you to pay for them or anyway. I think it would be great if you volunteered to drive. That would be helpful to save the gas there and back. Plus, it gives you the opportunity you know, to talk with them and visit with them. But, yeah, it's not generally that you would pay for them to go. Most guys, they, you pay, each pay your own golf. As far as competition, some people ask about that. Like, is there a long drive or closest to, if any? The only competition is for you to win as a team. That's it. So there's none of these gimmicky things. There's no there's no raffles and no putting contests. And no, it's just about it's a, it's a really good for teamwork and be and what, what the teams will be designed is basically six CBC guys and their guests make up a team of twelve, and that'll be how we form each each team. And then we have a trophy that you I think you saw it's on the it's on there, and then we'll put the names of the winners on there each year, and it's kind of meant six team. They. Tell you if you want to tell them what you've done with the trophy. Maybe that's what we end up doing. Go ahead. You can tell them. All right. Uh, they they've done it one. It's twelve guys, so they've done it once a month. And, or once a, one guy gets it for a month, and they've taken pictures. One guy took it to California, took a picture with it on the beach. On the beach, of course, sent it to me to let me know that we lost. That nice of him to do that. But uh, but it's been a great. It's been it's been a real nice thing, even to get to, to meet. Um, even Sig's friends. That was nice, and a lot of you got to know him through that. So, yes, sir. Hey, well, back. Ken was back here. He was asking me uh, how many times the beer cart comes around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not designed for that. Or at least who we're inviting. I guess. Any other good questions? <laughs> All right, uh, I want to say two things. We're going to take a, a, a break before our final session. But one, uh, how cool is that, number one? Is that the coolest thing? And uh, I want to thank David. I want to thank Sue again for coming. You know, I said before David got up that each of us evaluates our capacity and ability to serve. Phase of life has something to do with that. Uh, it's a risk of embarrassing David. Just as an example, the kind of thing that can be done. He's working on this for our church, making this presentation to see the Lord's work go forward. Uh, doing that with three little ones at home uh, who are often sick. David's working at Quick Park plus his day job where he works with SIG as, as well. So working at least two jobs. Now this is sort of a third gig you know, he's, he's doing as well. And is our community group coordinator and is doing this kind of stuff. I say that just to say that a lot of times we can sell ourselves short on what we are able to do if we, pri if we would prioritize a bit differently. And I, I'm very thankful for the many people we have in our church and David among them, who's done that. So thank you for your work with that.